welcome back again, Drew Tang. Uh, thanks for being here again. Uh, we're going to get a proper one out this time. But man, it, even the small amount of time that's passed since we last spoke, I feel like a million different things have happened uh, in the realm of world politics and uh, the cabal, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me back, and I'm uh, excited to to finally get this shot, um, mm-hmm. especially after the uh, the little foreplay of last time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think um, you're right. I think uh, you know, even having this conversation at this time compared to when we were originally going to shoot it, I think we'll end up uh, creating more quality content than otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we could do this kind of thing every two weeks with the speed at which everything is fucking happening these days. Um, we would, you know, we would never run out of stuff to talk about, but let, let's talk about the, the elephant in the room. Um, the inauguration, I guess, of the next US president. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people uh, are hoping for some Hail Mary uh, from Trump. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going to happen? Uh, you know, looking at everything for me, uh, you see some things that don't add up on one side, like, Hmm, why is this going to be, a, why is this not a peaceful transition? Trump, despite what the media say and what they try to, uh, drum up, he, you know, he was this victim of a completely coordinated, you know, attack on his free speech and being able to get his information out. He didn't incite violence and what he actually said, just his interpretations of what the media said, he said, you know, so that's where the distinction lies. And I think, um, I think a lot of people need to realize that you have to, to judge what anyone says or their character, you have to judge what they say and your interpretations of what they say, not, someone else's interpretation because we know at the moment that anyone that goes through the media grinder if they have some uh agenda at hand they're going to color it one way or the other so to be able to like to rely on the media as like your source of news as we all hopefully know by now um you're going to get the wrong end of the stick it's like we've seen it time and time and time and time again where it's like trump said this and then you look at the actual quote and it's like, mm, no, he didn't. <laughs> I feel like I've had that conversation a thousand times where people are like, how, how could you still support Trump? He said this. And I'll, I'll just like look up the clip or whatever and be like, uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that is, uh, you know, even my, my older brother, who's a really big, uh, God bless his soul, but you know, he, he loves a uh, Reddit. So He's got, he's got the Reddit set of opinions by default and uh, don't get me wrong. Open-minded guy. God bless him. Love him. Great brother. But he, um, even he, uh, you know, is starting to come around and and realizing like, oh, wow. Like these quotes that they keep continuing to play on TV are, are completely lacking context and they're just spun in the most aggressive way possible. I think the best one was the um, Charlottesville quote that they constantly yeah. use and, and Biden even used it on the campaign trail, even though it's like been formally debunked and all you have to do is literally just listen to um, the recording and the 10 seconds after where he says there were fine people on both sides. 
Yeah. And and then he goes, except for like the white supremacists, those I I condemn absolutely. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I think that's definitely. I think you're right. That is definitely what happened um, with the uh, with the insurrection or the capital, the breach of the capital. I was I was in D.C. for that actually. Oh wow. And um, so, I think the funniest part about the whole thing is they want to act like Trump went on did his presentation and then told everybody in his speech told everybody all right go and rush the capital <laughs> and like, um and like go tear it down and i mean in his speech yes he, he said let's go to the capital you know just show you know just show congress that um that we want to investigate these instances of fraud and he he listed out you know for at least 20 minutes listing off you know, all these um, various uh, instances of uh, voter fraud, essentially. Yeah. Um, but the funny part is he was supposed to go on at 11 a.m. That's when he was scheduled to go on, but he was a full hour late. So he came on at 12. Mm. We didn't even get out of there. Um, like we didn't leave the venue until at least one. Um, is this in the morning or in the afternoon? Uh, in the afternoon. Okay. And so by the time that we got out of the, um, and nobody had phone service on the inside of this venue because it was so crowded. Mm. But when we got out, by the time we got out, people were already, they had already breached the Capitol. They breached the Capitol right about at 11 o'clock. I think it was like 11, 11, 15, something around there. Yeah. So Trump hadn't even had gone on yet, but if they were going off the schedule, this was say, and I'm not saying that was completely, you know, um, you know, it wasn't a complete op, you know, I don't have enough evidence at this point to say that, but yeah. you know, there are suspicious things of course. And this is definitely one of them that you wouldn't even know unless you were there. And yeah, uh, basically this idea that his speech is what told people to go and break in completely false by the time nobody could have even walked from his speech to the Capitol in that amount of time. Yeah. And yet it was literally happened, you know, while he was speaking. So what was the energy like there? It was, uh, it was pretty hype. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, but I will say when Trump went on, I could tell that he, you know, he already knew that Pence wasn't going to do anything. Um, yeah. he wasn't his, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't super high energy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Uh, it was an interesting event. Uh, it was kind of unreal. It was a last minute thing that I ended up going to. I just like hopped along with some of my friends who were going, mm. but, um, yeah, it was pretty unreal to see the, the Capitol, um, with tear gas on the front steps, you know, like, uh, when they were clearing out the people. Yeah. Um, True. And yeah, I think I think ultimately my takeaway from this was um, was realizing in terms of predictive programming, uh, V for Vendetta is it's just about an exact match. Everything from there being an anonymous leader that goes by one letter, you know, like Q in Trump's instance. Yeah. Um, in that movie, the main plot point is this authoritarian government came to power by using a manufactured bioweapon um, to pass restrictions. Um, 
in the comic books, I believe the guy who is in power currently, currently the, the movie takes place in Britain. Um, the, the guy used make Britain great again in the comics. Um, and, uh, and oh yeah. And then it's the whole thing in that movie is remember, remember the 5th of November. And yeah, I mean like November 3rd was the election and it really wasn't called completely for a while after. So, um, so yeah, it was that, that's what really shocked me. And like, what I didn't even realize fully, because you know I've been I've been doing research for um, this last final part of my thread, uh, five part thread on basically coronavirus, basically focusing on the background of the people behind the pandemic and the new world order in general. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I didn't I haven't completed this last section of the thread yet because. Um, because things are making so much more sense now like that whole v for vendetta thing is just like it's uh you know now it's very obvious exactly what that predictive programming was talking about and um ironically i had thought that it would be of more um you know i was anticipating a trump win and then having it be the um you know the democrats and the and antifa that would do the um the raid on the capitol Mm. but um, especially with the Q to V, um, similarity, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking like for whatever reason, that's, um, it's looking like it would be a more accurate fit for it, you know, um, being predictive programming for the, for the right. Um, that being said, you know, uh, if you want to look at, if you want to go at it from the Hegelian dialectic point of view, where, the elite create a, and this is, you know, this is uh, one of their most popular tactics. It's basically the idea behind a false flag where you create a problem, you get a reaction, you get a preset reaction that you wanted, and then you provide the people a, um, a pre-made solution. And mm-hmm. ultimately you get to implement your solution um, by creating the problem. And in this case, um, what they used it for was final justification for censorship of anybody they don't like, including, you know, the president of the United States and the type of, and of course, immediately after they took down parlor as well, which is really quite the ballsy move, which I'm, I'm surprised they, um, they did that taking it off the app stores and, um, uh, but I'm not overly surprised, um, because you know, these, if you're going to make a website that's supposed to be against censorship, using the traditional web 2.0 model which is you know what twitter and facebook is 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 yes it's you're not going to get away with it because ultimately every piece of that infrastructure is centralized even if even if those guys are on your team yeah if those guys like uh, that are running the site that just makes them liable and for instance parlor's ceo is like on the run because he's gotten like tons of death threats yeah. Um, and that's why uh, when we finish recording this podcast, I'm going to be uh, posting it on a blockchain platform, 3speak.io. Um, dot or actually, I think, did they change it to 3speak. Uh, no, I think it's still 3speak.io. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, social, blockchain social media is really the only way to go, um, especially because... Um, uh, especially because it integrates... Um, like the compensation model 
is using cryptocurrency so you don't have to worry about paypal and um and even you know banks are even cutting off um you know conservative and basically anybody outside of the um the mainstream uh thought so yeah i've i've kind of i mean i predicted this um months ago as i'm sure anyone that you know has their ear to the ground uh did um i think we are getting to the point where it's going to be like you need a completely off-grid way of making money you know you, you you're not going to be able to rely on even if you have your own internet business um i think my, my friend hk belvedere made this point on twitter he's like even if you are not a person standing up against the new world order and their agenda and you know the restrictions and control that they want to have if, even if you're just minding your own business running your business online if you are independent of their control they're going to shut you down it is not in their interests to have someone that can make their own money without uh, going through their kind of monopoly, you know, their mm -hmm. payment processes. Um, they can't force vaccinations. If you're making your own money, for instance, they can't, um, force you to kind of join in, in this community if you make your money online. So they don't have a method of control, uh, to you. So even if you're not standing up against it and you know, you're not a political person even, Eventually, within the next few years, you will get to the point where, oh, you're making your money off the grid. Sorry, mate. Uh, bzz, you're getting cut off as well. So they, they want to force as many people to be reliant on government income or at least just a controlled uh, income that they can kind of manipulate and therefore control mm -hmm. you to perform. And, so, and, you know, especially... Um the, the idea of the government income, you know, um, expands out to, you know, income from any of their controlled, um, you know, uh, monopolies there, which are basically at this point, government organizations, Amazon, Google, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. All yeah. these giants that still, you know, are offering gainful employment, um, for white collared workers they're yeah. you know, at the end of the day, um, especially at this point under a Biden presidency, they're, they're going to essentially be, you know, one in the same. Yeah. That's um, another point is that these companies now, it's, it's not even worth looking at them in terms of the, you know, company framework because they're more powerful than a lot of countries now. So you have to throw away this idea of like, you know, the whole private company bullshit that people still spray out and, you know, they are becoming quickly becoming, if not already are the, you know, complete arbiters and superpowers and withholders of information and declaring who gets to speak and who doesn't and who gets to feed their family and who doesn't. And, you know, obviously they're the ones that are allowed to stay open and keep making money. Whereas, all the small businesses want to close. Um, so I, I think, you know, the silver lining saw this shit is that a lot of people uh, are aware of it now. What, what do you think? Do you think that this whole thing has led to a lot of people waking up? I'm sure it has, but 
is that critical mass of people still enough? Because I've, I've heard both sides of like, yes, this is a new awakening event. There's going to be so many more people who are now uh, just looking and are aware of everything that's happening and the forces behind things and the bullshit of all of this COVID related stuff. Mm-hmm. Or is it just, you know, a few people waking up, the majority of people are just going to keep on sticking their head in the sand or maybe they're not aware enough to realize it all. Uh, what do you think? Um, you know, in, it, I'm always, uh, I'm always an optimist and I think it's, um, you know, and it's not, it's not, you know, baseless, but then again, I'll, I'll say, you know, there's always a chance that things could get worse before they get better. Um, but just from being in my position where I think, um, Last time we talked, the crypto bull run was still just beginning. I don't think Bitcoin had even hit a uh, a full new all time high yet. Yeah. But um, but yes, for the same reasons, um, I'm I'm optimistic because I've seen you know um, over the last four years, um, I've seen this system and I've known it's going to crash. You know, everything from the financial system, central banking system. Um, to the centralized social media censorship. Um, And so I've been positioning myself with these, uh, both in cryptocurrency in general and in blockchain social media. And I truly do think that those, the combination of um, censorship-free money and censorship-free information where you have these decentralized networks, I think that is, you know, we are getting pigeonholed, whether you like it or not, it's quickly becoming the only option for um, a huge swath of people. And it's, you know, we're hitting this at the same time that we're hitting 40K Bitcoin, we're also hitting the president of the United States being removed from all major social media platforms based off of some of the weakest shit I've ever seen, where, (laughs) you know, you know, there was all these, there was six months straight of these insane riots that were being goaded on by CNN and, uh, yeah. you know, all these liberal politicians, um, all around people dying. all around the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not a single peep, um, not a single peep, not a single, you know, banning of it. And, and even, um, for that, uh, to that end, there was one specific instance when the riots were just starting not only did Netflix list V for Vendetta for the first time, they also, um, uh, one of the, you know, the anonymous um, with the Guy Fawkes mask, uh, that, that anonymous entity, which is like decentralized. So, you know, there's uh, different people use that anonymous um, image on their own accounts or whatever. But one account in particular that was that is even to this day super antifa and um pro rioting and shit like that just extremely aggressive of course anti-trump um they uh they were allowed to stay on trending for two days straight and they gained they went from like i think it was a million followers to seven million or something like that yeah and uh, globally, you know, picked up a lot of steam. Uh, Jack even followed them, you know, the fucking um, owner mm-hmm. of Twitter. 
So that is an example. And they were telling people, they were giving riot tips. They were given like, uh, they were like, all right, here's how you should dress up. And this is how you, they were, oh, even worse than that. They were telling people how to like make your own barricades using zip ties and like, uh, yeah. So I mean, Kamala Harris or AOC doing that as well. Yeah. AOC did, um, let you know like a starter pack like a riot riot. Starter pack. yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck, leave your phone at home so they can't trace you <laughs> um all this shit which is hilarious because you know not they, they you know they switch it on the fucking uh on a dime it's which so makes, outrageous dude mm-hmm, which makes this um it, it's also hilarious and this is what you were talking about earlier is one of the suspicious things um, going on right now in terms of the inauguration is that we had all this crazy unrest and rioting since the day Trump was elected. And, and, you know, there was the Trump inauguration day riots in DC were, were wild, you know, glass, they were setting cars on fire, smashing glass windows and stuff like that. And we've had the most intense riots we've ever seen in the country over the last year. Um, and they did nothing. Well, I mean like, okay, so some people let the national guard in whatever, but they've never had this level of, um, security at the Capitol, even when they were making fun of Trump for going into the bunker when they were right outside the white house. Yeah. Um, so this, this response is just not proportional to the threat. And even in like, for instance, in New York, there is supposed to be a, uh, a, a uh, rally there or something like that where uh, Governor Cuomo put in like three layers of security and all these armed guards and whatever and nobody showed up except the journalists. Um, <laughs> so that is, you know, that is a highly suspicious part and when you add that together with the fact that Trump's been replacing people like the head of national intelligence and, um, and wasn't giving... Uh, the Biden incoming Biden administration wasn't letting them in on any of the Pentagon information. Um, You know, it's, you know, it's possible he, he could, you know, not that I'm saying it's even likely, but you know, he could have something up his sleeve. Um, He is still the commander in chief for another two days, but, and is actively, you know, there's always something else to be said about his um, declassification that he's done recently, which there is a big UFO, um, UFO information dump called the black vault. Um, that came out, uh, via FOIA requests over the last week. What's that? Have you looked at that? I haven't had a chance to take a deep look at it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it could, it could have something in there. Um, it, and it's really too, you know, these mat, these dumps are so massive. It, it often takes a while to get through it. Yeah. And, you know, you know, especially when they're uh, in the current social media landscape. But um, he also declassified a bunch of the Obamagate um, and Russiagate uh, documents as well. So it's possible that, you know, there might be something in there that, um, you know, you could arrest Joe Biden for a million different things. Yeah. Um, and actually, and, and I guess another indication, if we're just going to put all the evidence towards there possibly being some type of, you know, Trump dead man switch. Mm. Um, he also, uh, before uh, 
Attorney General Barr, William Barr, left office, he um, he made John Durham uh, like a special prosecutor or something like that. So uh, so that the investigation would continue um, even if even if Trump went out of office. And Durham has been investigating Obamagate, Russiagate, um, even stuff involving um, the Clinton Foundation for the last like three years. And this was everybody, you know, this is what Q was talking about all the time. All the all the Trump diehards. This has been um, this has been the the ultimate, you know, release that everybody was waiting for. Mm. We would finally show, um, you know, that the Trump campaign was spied on illegally, which is like the you know straight up. Um, uh, seditious conspiracy, um, which would mean Obama would be, uh, you know, be sentenced to death, for instance. And, you know, in the Kavanaugh hearings, when Kavanaugh was um, being appointed to the Supreme Court, uh, I believe it was, I think it was Lindsey Graham who asked him a question about um, could, could politicians, could government officials be executed via military trial? Or tribunal, and uh, Kavanaugh said yes. Um, and you know, there's the the fact that Trump appointed three of his own judges. Not that they did Trump anything did. good for him on the <laughs> uh, the election fraud standpoint. But you know, theoretically, he should have a he should have a massive um, massive majority in the Supreme Court to get done whatever he wants. But um, but yeah, I guess that wraps up, uh, my perspective on what could possibly happen. Um, yeah, man, I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful, you know, as we all are, I'm sure I just, I don't see it. It doesn't make sense for Trump to just, well, try all the legal proceedings, you know, unless he is like just down to the mark, like good dude still wants, you know, the American democracy values to kind of uh, come through uh, as King. And, you know, he, as much as people say, otherwise, he's not the kind of crazy dictator guy that fights completely unfairly and everything. Um, so I don't know, you know, it's impossible to say, I, I still think it's weird that, you know, he's been so quiet apart from like a few out of character video appearances. You know, we can go into whether those were real or not. There's a few uh, strange markings on those videos, like especially when he was in Texas and the video looked like it's from the White House. So it's like, hmm, was this pre-recorded? What's going on here? Whatever. Um, if he goes out of office and nothing happens, his family is going to get railroaded by the press and uh, the government for, you know, the rest of his life. Um, he can kind of, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for him to just like, well, uh, I'm going to try again in 2024 because with all that we've seen, do you think that they will allow a fair election next time? You know, it's just not going to happen. You know, with the consolidation of power with Biden in, in office and, all of the democratic heads of uh, the states, they're gonna screw down this whole election fraud process so much that, you know, no Republicans ever gonna win again. Um, and the whole uh, free speech thing, there's gonna be a slow encroachment of banning people, uh, worse and worse and worse and worse, to the point where you're not gonna be able to get ideas out. 
uh, unless you subscribe to the establishment ideas. So with all of this, I just, you know, I don't see Trump just giving up, uh, to be honest. And there's two days left and, you know, it's kind of hitting this crescendo now. And, you know, who's controlling the National Guard at the moment? I, I personally don't know. Is it Trump now? It's so like, would he be putting people in D.C., so many guards, so many troops to protect from his own supporters? That Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, that is the interesting thing. You know, he is ultimately the commander in chief and, um, you know, anything, anything he says goes. So it is, uh, yeah, it is interesting that he'd have such a big response, um, to, you know, purport the, like I said earlier, it's just not a proportional response what's happening. So it is suspicious in that regard. Yeah. And the fences being, you know, this is one video I saw on Twitter, so who knows the validity of it, but the fences mm -hmm. being so that you, they can be pushed in from the outside, but the way they're set up, they can't be pushed down from the inside. So it looks like a jail within around DC now. Trump's yeah. also told his family and friends to get out of the White House for security reasons. So, man, I'm just envisioning like the 20th, it just all goes dark maybe floodlights come on, Trump just comes up, you're not locked in here <laughs> with me, you're locked in here with me, you know, that, that kind of thing. And then yeah, yeah. they all can't get out. And then, fuck, you know, that would be, that would be the movie ending. Um, that would be what everyone wants. Um, and then they'll obviously go dark on all social media probably for like a week if something like that happens. So I, they wouldn't want that to get out. I don't know what's going to happen, man. Yeah. It's exciting though. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, uh, you know, of course, like we were saying, like, obviously the most likely outcome is that, you know, Biden just gets inaugurated and Trump leaves and then gets his whole fucking life destroyed, which <laughs> the, the banks are all, are already cutting off his businesses. Yeah. So it's going to be very hard for him to even maintain the businesses he had before, much less, you know, keep his family out of jail from a crooked FBI who was trying to yeah. get rid of him as president. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I think one thing I'd add to that scenario um, is that the, uh, and what's really interesting about the whole scene in DC right now is those, um, those like over the speaker announcements um, where they got the sirens and stuff. And it mm. just sounds straight out of the purge. Yeah. Which is interesting because Jared Kushner actually hired one of the people involved um, with the Purge movies. Um, he hired him onto his, um, I forget what exact team, what part of the, okay, here we go. Yeah. Jared Kushner hired the Purge publicist, an expert in marketing dystopia. So literally the, uh, um, one of the guys, you know, responsible for the Purge movies is now, you know, directly working under Jared Kushner, um, which is like another, uh, you know, it's another interesting, like predictive programming point. What um, would that be for? You know, I don't really know. This is one of those things where it's like, like I was talking about earlier, where it looks like it looks like um, V for Vendetta was actually predictive programming to get conservatives 
and Trump supporters to do um, to do what you know they ultimately want. This might be like a, a similar thing where like the you know Jared Jared Kushner has always been the least favorite out of um, you know the whole Trump administration. People have been saying that you know Jared's been working against Trump the entire time. Um, so, you know, that's a possibility, but it is interesting that, um, it's, it, it's just a continued theme of perhaps like the predictive programming, you know, Trump's included in the whole thing, as opposed to being outside of it, um, which, you know, has always been an option, but, um, yeah, and that, I guess that, that, uh, segues into my other possible, um, you know, other possible scenario here is, you know, Trump could, Trump could hit the martial law button at the last second. Um, you know, everything like DC shut down. So, you know, he'd be, he'd be good to go. There wouldn't be any, um, you know, no, nobody could protest against it successfully. Um, but on the other, you know, on the other hand of that, um, you know, all the Republicans would be fine with it. And, and, you know, I would, you know, honestly, I'm, I, uh, I enjoy that idea as well. The problem <laughs> is though, it's like, it's the classic, um, it's a cl classic fall of the Republic, you know, um, you know, beginning of an empire. Um, and, uh, and you know, that has its own, you know, that would be the ultimate centrally centralization of power, especially if Trump, <clears throat> especially if Trump ends up arresting, you know, all these, the old ruling class, yeah. then it's just him at the top, which is kind of, you know, again, like a star Wars, um, thing, you know, they wipe out all the Jedi. So the only person, um, you know, in charge is, uh, is Palpatine, but, um, but yeah, that is, you know, complete consolidation of global power under Trump would also have its own, you know, possible negative side effects um yeah. and it i mean i would still i i would still honestly take that over uh take that over a biden presidency where he's you know, completely controls everything and you know chips everybody mandatory vaccines etc etc sterilizes everyone yeah but you know that is an option that you have to um you know as a as a person who is uh trying to anticipate every scenario that is, you know, even if that happens, there's still, you know, still a chance things go wrong. Um, but I think the important thing to remember in either case is that really the only people that have power are the people. And as long as we focus on waking people up, letting them know about the, um, you know, the goals of this new world order and how they would centralize power censorship, um, mandatory vaccinations, um, contact tracing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Then, you know, if we could just get, uh, enough people woke, waking up, woken up to that, then, uh, we'd be fine regardless of who is in power. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's, that sums up my whole, uh, thoughts on the, on the election coming up or rather the inauguration. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. Um, shifting over to the you know, awakening the people kind of message is like, I think you have to have a, a fairly decent knowledge of the whole power structure uh, at large because a lot of people will say, you know, myself included in the past, uh, 
these people are trying to, you know, consolidate global power and these are the methods that methods they're doing it. Uh, the vac the forced vaccination thing, uh, which everyone said, no, they're never going to force vaccinations. <laughs> they're just going to say uh, that you can't go to the shops uh, without your vaccine or you can't travel with it or whatever else it is. It's like, okay, so that's forced vaccination, essentially. If you want to live, if you want to have freedoms, if your freedoms are taken away, unless you get this vaccination, that's a forced vaccination. Not that they're literally holding you down, which, you know, we might get to that point. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, so many people don't realize is that, you know, when your freedoms are taken away, that's an assault on the essential liberty of the individual. And that needs to be resisted at every single turn because that doesn't come back ever. We've seen that as soon as the government gets an inch, you're never getting that back. You know, with, you know, post, uh, was it, was it nine 11 where the, everyone had to start taking their shoes off at airports kind of thing. Yep. 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 So yep. All of the, uh, the surveillance laws that came into act after that. And now the insurrection uh, event at the, you know, at the Capitol is, is now going to be used to curtail any kind of free speech uh, online. Uh, that's not coming back. You know, the, the whole mask thing, a lot of people think that that's going to stay if the people let it. That's mm -hmm. the key thing is that, you know, now we're seeing in Italy, thousands of ten thousand tens of thousands of people are now being like no fuck this fuck you we're not going to cower in our rooms anymore we want to go have some pasta with our friends it's a very big part of the the culture there uh and it's you know it's very good um in that sense but now people are being like we, we're just going to say no you can't arrest every single person and i think that that's uh i forget where the quote's from but it was you might recognize it um, it was one guy who was under communist uh, regime and when they started rounding up people for wrong think or whatever or breaking the rules he was saying that they deserved everything that happened to them because if at any point during this kind of roundup of people they were able to you know if if the communist dictatorial uh, regime the soldiers, if they were scared to go out and arrest people because maybe they wouldn't come home that night, that kind of thing, that rebellion and that fighting for your life pretty much happened, then maybe the complete you know, genocide wouldn't have happened. But because the individual person was so scared to stand up, everyone just took it. And then eventually that leads to no one standing up and, you know, eventually you lack the numbers to kind of resist again. So it's that same principle of, you know, we deserve everything that happens on the whole if we don't fight for our freedoms. And, you know, that can mean as, as little as not putting on a mask if you're a healthy person. And, you know, we can go into that being shown to not really do anything and breathing in your own fucking bacterial saliva over and over again is actually worse for you than just breathing fresh air. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, asymptomatic asymptomatic spread is a complete myth, and there's been multiple studies showing that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's that's a no brainer. Everyone knows, like, <laughs> you know, you're coughing, you're spluttering, you feel sick. Cool, stay home. Of course, that's been now part of our you know global hygiene protocols. Now that we understood kind of 
you know, how germs work in that sense, how viruses work, um, you know, you, you, you can just go back and look at swine flu. No one wore masks. I was talking to a, a doctor about this the other day. No one wore masks. You were seeing 100 patients a day and none of that kind of isolate, isolative therapy was even in uh, circulation as like a thing to do. It's just this most recent one where they want everyone separated. They want everyone looking like a whatever with the masks on, you know, look down at the floor, don't speak to your family. Even if you get the vaccinations, that's not going to change our way of life. Like it's, it's so different from times in the past that you have to look at, okay, what's, what's the deal here? What's really going on? Is it about people's health? No, it's about control. And I think, you know, some countries like England, uh, they're going to be locked down. It's, it's only till March. It's only till March. Just like it was only two weeks uh, last year. And now it's been, uh, you know, a year-ish uh, of lockdowns and stuff. So it really comes down to, you, you know, you're not going to, the government isn't going to stop and be like, guys, well done. We've done it. You know, it's all good now. Uh, back to normal, you know. Unless the people realize that these nerds in power who are being, hey guys, you got to stay inside, otherwise everyone will die. That is, has to be en masse rejected. And mm -hmm. even if it's scary and even if, you know, if, if the thing is in your friendship group, say you think everyone's good for the lockdowns. If you come out and say, no, nah, fuck this, I guarantee you, over half of you are going to also say, yeah, I agree with you, but they were too scared to say anything or they didn't want to stick up for what their opinion was uh, in the first place. But as soon as you voice it, you realize everyone's thinking the same thing. Uh, so I think a, a point for that is, you know, always say what you're feeling. Don't withhold yourself uh, to not offend anyone. Um, and, Overall, we're going to have to start rebelling in a way. Uh, otherwise, we're not going to get out of this. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, absolutely correct. Um, I think uh, in general too, there's I think uh, you know looking at history can help people put this into context. Like um, like the 2009 um, uh, the 2009 swine flu thing was completely overblown. It was, they called it a pandemic before it even, you know, reached the um, thresholds that it was supposed to, to be a pandemic. Um, they actually did an investigation of them. Or of course, they ran their own investigation, um, which they, you know, of course came out and said, oh, we did a perfect job. But they, um, for the WHO, uh, just like tried to juice it for everything it's worked and or worth. And that was kind of like a, um, essentially that was a dry run for this. Um, you know, they were seeing what they could get away with, what they had to compensate for. Um, and you know, they're like, okay, cool. We can make up an entire scam and, um, you know, we won't face any consequences. And then I think another interesting, another swine flu outbreak, um, and it, it happened in 1976 where they're like, oh my God, a fourth of the population is about to get wiped out by the swine flu. Meanwhile, there was, you know, there was 
there was never a pandemic and never materialized, yeah. but they still managed to, they still managed to start a massive um, government vaccination program where they had Gerald Ford, President Ford on TV getting the shot, um, which is, you know, just like Joe Biden getting the shot on TV now. Just saline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't know, but it's, <laughs> I, I highly, I highly I doubt they would. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, in 1976, that swine flu affair, they had to shut down the government vaccination program because it was um, paralyzing a bunch of people. Yeah. And, you know, these shots, like, I think what, you know, people are like, oh, well, the statistics show that they, you know, they're, <laughs> they're so, there's so few injuries, whatever, um, which uh, unfortunately for them with the COVID vaccine, um, just the data that's been released uh, since it started getting distributed, it's already uh, deaths per dose now running at 85 per, or 85 times the normal um, deaths per flu vaccine and yep. ER trips are at 35 times. So, and you know, they're having to shut down. They had a San Diego vaccine super center that they started on the 11th of this month and they had to, they had to pause it by the 14th. And now they're saying, oh, it was just this one batch of Moderna vaccine that was causing that. We got to stop that. Um, in Norway, there was 23 people that died, um, you know, in their like first round of vaccination. So, yeah, so uh, highly alarming. And, you know, these are way above. I love to make fun of this one debunking fact checking meme that I, a bunch of my normie friends were posting on Instagram before the distribution even started where they were like, Oh yeah. Um, allergic reactions. That sh that's, that's rarer than a, uh, strike a lightning. So, um, yeah, just complete and utter bullshit. And it's, uh, you know, it's only getting more and more obvious. Um, not that anybody's really looking. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, it's uh, yeah. You just gotta refuse it. Just gotta get enough people to to understand what's going on, and maybe we can get out of this. Yeah, I think we will. Even if it's a uh, a breakaway civilization in a way, um, I think there will be enough people that you know. Let's say it's even fifty-fifty that we see. Uh, with most political issues is that most people will be either on one side or the other uh, of these issues. Um, I think as well, like you're saying with the decentralization, uh, everyone's seeing now the problems with a few people controlling the means of communication and things like Telegram have completely popped off, uh, Signal as well. Um, they're obviously talking about taking those things down. So I don't know whether they're kind of fail safes in a way. Um, but what this, you know, silver linings of all this stuff is that more people will realize the importance of, uh, not working through the traditional power structures. And I think <clears throat> there are going to be a lot of online communities, uh, that as we shift on the whole, uh, in society to um you know these new realities that we see in the movies where people have their vr sets and then all go meet in the same place and hang out just in real life like they would 
um, but just in a virtual realm, I think that's going to become a lot more common, um, especially if for the you know the larger majority of population they're still in lockdown. Everyone's just going to eventually go towards uh, living online and living like the the whole second life thing. Um, mm-hmm. So th- there's all these greater changes uh, in society that will happen. I think there's also going to be a majority, sorry, a group of people that completely reject that furthering into technology and that whole cyborg um, path in life. There will be people that that'll be better than their real life because they're stuck at home, they're on government money, so they'll just kind of dissolve into that. But I think there'll be a lot of people that reject it wholeheartedly and will try and just get into nature as much as possible. Um, so I think there is going to be a, almost like a, a forking point um, for civilization in general. Um, if we can, I think I'll be more on the nature side myself. Um, I think there's there's a way to do it. Like it would be sick to you know, meet online with people that share the vision and everything. Um, but I also think that if you go too far down that path, then you're just going to run into issues. Um, so I think that the nature path is more kind of my angle, but oh yeah, for sure. I also know that I don't think it's possible to just retreat to a place in the mountains and completely ignore everything that's going to happen. Cause eventually if you get to the point where someone horrible is in power, like complete power, and they're going to come knocking on the door and be like, well, sorry, mate, we need your farm. You're on a, you know, this community is not government approved. Um, you're going to prison, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's that whole, you may not take an interest in politics, but politics will take an interest in you. So yeah, I, the whole awakening of everyone, I think is, uh, the most important thing. Um, if I had to, I have this, I'll be playing this, uh, this podcast for my dad. So for my dad, his reservations with all this is like, okay, so there's this global international group that are all working together and they are all just want to sterilize the population. And, you know, no one in the mainstream media is talking about this. I go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, you know, but it seems so unbelievable uh, to people and just because something's Mm -hmm. unbelievable doesn't make it untrue, of course, Um, especially when the channels of communication are so, uh, you know, centralized or parroting the same message. But Mm -hmm. if you had to summarize the groups in power or trying to get in power, uh, Mm -hmm. what would they be? what's their agenda in a few points? What, what's like the normie uh, summation of what's happening so that if people are awake and they realize mm-hmm. uh, and have done their own research into what's happening, what can they say to people to look up uh, that might be kind of the best way to awaken them on, on a mass scale? For sure. So, so yeah, if, if, uh, if, if uh, Papa's going to listen to this, then, uh, then I'll just address uh, address him directly here. So, so pops, um, I think the I think the biggest thing in in understanding how something uh, like this could be possible, how such a powerful group of people could simultaneously have such control, but also be so invisible, 
Um, and I think the only reason that it seems so wild to us is that our version of history, our mainstream version of history, ignores some very important um, power structures that have been responsible for the major events of the last um, couple of decades, at least. And, you know, uh, versions, predecessors to these same groups with some of the same goals have been in power for much longer. But I, what I always talk to people about, like when I want to, um, when I want to give people context so that they can see what's going on today and realize that in the context of actual history, um, what's going on today is it's literally, you know, it's a plan that has been generations and generations in the making. Um, and I think it's important to, and what's easiest to point to is to go back to World War II. Um, and when you take an actual view of World War II from an economic standpoint and you ask yourself, okay, one, how did Germany recover from World War I so quickly and suddenly gain all of this industry, all of this military might um, and form this cult of personality? And, you know, people call that the economic miracle. And that is, and people just accept that. They're just, okay, there was a miracle. Yeah. Um, and it's literally, you know, it's some of the most ridiculous stuff when you actually, like, you know, realize that's the narrative that they, they taught me in, in high school. Um, you know, the, the economic miracle was actually a result of the same people who wrote the Treaty of Versailles, uh, Versailles rather, and charged the German people this exorbitant amount of money. So much money, they only, I think they finished paying it off in like 2014. Yeah. Um, so it was this amount of money that was crushing, that would completely destroy any type of economy that Germany had left after World War I, and basically caused hyperinflation as they started print printing the, um, uh, the Deutschmarks. Um, yeah. And eventually, you know, that's where the pictures of people with wheelbarrows full of Deutschmarks come from. Yeah. Um, and basically, they destroyed their entire economy through the tre Treaty of Versailles after World War I. Um, and the, the guys who wrote the Treaty of Versailles, uh, that was uh, Dulles, Alan Dulles, um, and his, I believe it was the Dulles brothers, actually. Um, those same people, their friends, um, started buying up all of the German industries. So Henry Ford was, you know, he had tank factories in Germany. Of course, he sued the U.S. government after World War II for bombing his tank factories in Germany, and he won the lawsuit. Um, he got the highest award that uh, Nazis could give to a civilian. Um, you had IBM. Uh, Tom Watson meeting with uh, Hitler. He got the second highest award you could give to a civilian. And it was IBM computers that were running the, um, the punch card tabulation systems of the Holocaust camps, which is where people, that's the, the numbers they'd um, tattoo on people. That's where you'd enter the, it into was the IBM computer system. Um, the Rockefellers, taught the Nazis eugenics. If you want to know where the, how these, how the Nazis came up with this program, where over 4,000 of their people were sterilized and another 300,000 uh, were killed. It was all based off of an, an ideology developed in America by our American industrialists um, through the Rockefellers, the Harrimans, which were railroad monopoly. Um, and, uh, and the Bushes too, as well. Um, 
And yeah, they, so the Rockefellers funded all of their medical programs, their eugenics, their Kaiser Wilhelm Eugenics Institute. Um, and Just to jump in quickly. Yeah. What was the point of the, the eugenics? Like what's their rationale? So they're, so all ruling, all ruling classes. Um, ideally you want to have the smallest one. You want to turn the population against each other. Um, and two, if you can get them to turn against each other, ideally you can get them to kill each other. Um, yeah. And in that way you can stay on the top, which is the reason that people think it's so ridiculous that there is a ruling class is because we are completely focused on fighting other demographics of the population. And through our, uh, system of politics we believe that these other people if we could just convince them then everything would be fine and we have to yeah. we have to fight them and and um you know and focus all of our energy on um other parts of the population as far as the the goal of um depopulation in general you know used to be called eugenics now is they rebranded to call it overpopulation or population control after world yeah. war ii um, the whole goal with that is that the population of the earth is getting too large to control. So if you, mm. um, as a ruling class, you know, there's so few of them and so many of us, and that it's always been the power of, of the people. Um, yeah. so to keep that in a, a manageable amount, they have to decrease the population. So that's where, you know, yeah. for instance, on the Georgia Guidestones, where they talk about the first, the first uh, commandment uh, is, is maintain humanity's population under 500 million. They were, their plan was never to do that via war. It was always the easiest way to get that population down that much is just to sterilize the current generation. And what's the what's the best way to do that get a rushed into production vaccine where you can't prove long-term effects use a brand new technology mrna um that's never been approved for human use before and then globally distribute it as much as possible all at once um and mandate it um as much as possible and uh if you can just slip that through and it doesn't even have to be the first vaccine that does it it could be, you know, they're, they're already talking about um, how basically it's going to be a yearly flu shot, essentially. They're already yeah. talking about the first COVID uh, mutation and so on and so forth. So down the line, it's just going to be like the flu shot. Oh, and, you know, it is the same virus at the end of the day. Um, they are, you know, they're just going to say, oh, it mutated. All right, everybody, to travel, you're going to need your vaccine certificate to show that you got your yearly shot. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so they will, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's basically their goal. And I think, I think also important to remember just to go back to talking to pops here is that, um, the Rockefellers actually developed, um, you can look at their own publicly available documents, which are some things I spent today kind of consolidating and posting. Um, you can look at their own internal documents where in 1969 um, they were discussing in their own documents of the Population Council, which was uh, founded by John Rockefeller III in 1952, so pretty much immediately after World War II, um, 
he hired after he stepped down as president he hired uh uh what's this guy's last name it's osborne i forget his frederick osborne who was the one of the founding members of the american eugenics society back in 19 i think 23 um and you can look in their own documents and they're talking about developing methods for involuntarily involuntary sterilization um and then you can look into rockefeller documents from 1968 and 1988 uh those are direct rockefeller foundation i think they call it like a president's yearly report and in those documents they talk about wanting to develop vaccines for anti-fertility and then in 1988 they say they've had success in doing so um so yeah these these concepts uh have been around for a long time it's the exact same people that ran the american a, a lot of people don't even know there's american eugenics program which yeah. there is i think in california alone sterilized like 40,000 people against their will um but and it's still technically after a supreme court ruling back then uh, i think it's still technically um legal to do so involuntary sterilization but um but yeah it's the exact same people that did the that did the whole nazi regime um and they're doing the same thing and the only reason that it people don't realize that it's the same people is because our historical narrative is good guys versus bad guys and our history books are written by the victors and the victors yeah. always paint themselves as heroes. Yeah. I think that's important to note is that throughout history, whoever writes the story, uh, can control what people know and what they don't know and what they ignore. And that's so important to realize is that just because what you've been told your whole life is what you've been told doesn't necessarily make it true and that can lead a lot of people to be like you know maybe they feel that there's a huge amount of dissonance there because they they don't want to believe that the people that they've put so much trust into uh were lying to them the whole time or even if they weren't consciously lying that they were you know that the the people were let's say for lack of a better word stupid enough to believe this lie over and over again so they they reject that uh, initially because they don't want to confront the fact that they've been hoodwinked. Like the ego itself doesn't like to admit that it's wrong and doesn't like to admit that maybe it has been uh, outdone in a way. So I think on a personal level that there are issues that some people have to deal with before they can open up uh, on a grander scale to this kind of more mind blowing information uh in a way so i think if people want to share this information uh it, it does have to be you can't just instantly go in and say you know uh, rockefeller's here global fucking conspiracy because most people just reject that uh straight up so mm -hmm. it's about sharing little bits of information just posing questions if it's a family member just you know Hey, why does uh, this happen when this didn't happen or something like that? And then just letting it sit and not being emotionally invested. Um, if you are, you know, a lot of people to break the conditioning, you can't instantly 
pour everything over the fire at once. It has to be a slow addition and, you know, a slow burn in a way. Um, otherwise people will just reject it. So, so what's, what's the outcome you want? You want more people to be aware of the information. You have to present it in a good way and you have to, you know, just spend half an hour, an hour. That'll probably be all it takes. It's like, you know, you've obviously done many, many, many hours into all this stuff and researched into all this stuff. But if you want a grasp of, you know, what's going on, spend a few hours just like actually looking at it. So if people ask you questions, you know the answer. Um, cause that, that, that does give you a lot more validity, uh, to what you're speaking about, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's a whole situation. Uh, but I know as well, like a lot of people can get, um, doomer, doomed and black pilled about all mm -hmm. these things. Um, what would you say to someone that's like maybe super upset and about all this stuff that's happening and mm -hmm. what, what encouragement or advice would you have for them? So I think this is something that we, um, we talked about last time. I think unfortunately it got cut off. Um, but I think what really helped me, um, as far as my, uh, awakening journey to say is luckily I started with, I started with kind of the, in understanding the true nature of, I guess, the human mind, uh, the human experience, and um, I guess really the the power of your mind. So um, one of my friends gave me the secret. You know, I started reading Napoleon Hill, Thinking Girl Rich, um, Outwitting the Devil. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work in Becoming Supernatural was really pivotal for me. Um, and basically, I think it, it really helps when you're when you're exposing yourself to these horrible truths and like, you know, the fact that they get away with so much and then seeing all of your loved ones and friends, um, you know, be sucked into these um, systems of thought that are just so poisonous and, you know, are going to end up taking, you know, if they're allowed to come to fruition, take any type of rights we've ever had. Um, it, you know, it is, it is, uh, it is challenging and it does get emotional. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's very important to, at the same time that you're studying the external to spend some time studying, you know, your own brain and, and learning how to breathe and, uh, use meditation to help, you know, center yourself. Um, and the type of, uh, the type of things you'll learn through that, uh, if people are looking for, um, books to read on this, I would highly recommend Outwitting the Devil. Um, there's mm -hmm. a audio series called Your Wish is Your Command by Kevin Trudeau that's on YouTube. Highly recommend that. Um, uh, the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And um, the last one, Becoming Supernatural, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, and I think through, through those books... Um, you know, I guess, I guess that's the only reason why I've stayed somewhat sane. Um, and yeah, once you, you know, once you learn about that, and this is also, you know, um, there's so much that, you know, you get into the, you know, the um, material history, like all these hard facts that I was thrown out about, you know, who funded the Nazis, who gave them what, the lawsuits, the, um, you know, the historical facts. Um 
it's also important to kind of, you got to expand at the same time, you've got to expand your philo philosophical viewpoint. Um, so, you know, you got to understand that uh, in this matrix, in this, you know, and I just use the word matrix because, you know, the, the secular view of the world is that it's, you know, it's uh, three dimensional and then you have time as the fourth dimensional, fourth dimension, it's all linear and there's no randomness, there's no divinity. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people's views are just extremely negative overall. And I think that's the, again, another topic that we covered um, in the original recording is that everything, every part of our mainstream culture that's, you know, pushed in the movies and, and TV is, is, you know, its whole goal is to make you hate yourself yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm personally responsible for global warming. I'm personally responsible for, um, for every evil thing my country has ever done. Yeah. They want you to hate your ancestors. My ancestors were evil and racist and must have been slave owners, even yep. though more than likely they were part of the 90% of people who were extremely poor, just like every other time in history. Yeah. Um, and then they want you to hate the future too. So, um, oh, I can't have kids, you know, global warming, uh, you know, there's too many people already. Um, and, and I think uh, if you have a, um, a well-developed philosophical viewpoint, um, I would recommend listening to um, Alan Watts lectures, I think is really the shortcut um, to a pretty deep understanding. Um, Alan Watts was a, a lecturer in the, I believe, late 70s was the mo majority of his work. Um, and he was, uh, not only was he at one point an Episcopalian minister, he also went and studied, um, in, uh, studied Zen Buddhism in a temple for multiple years. So he has like a really great, um, a really great way of framing Eastern philosophy, which is much, much more ancient than Western and, um, and I think even possibly pre-Diluvian, like um, Atlantis age. Uh, yeah. My philosophy, um, you know, in that, in that philosophy, they talk about how there's always, there's always yin and yang. There's always an equal amount of good and evil. And it doesn't, you know, it, it, you can never fully defeat evil um, because in that yin and yang symbol, there's a uh, black dot in the white part and there's a white dot in the black part so even if you you know even if you were to eliminate the whole other half there's still um you know there's still always going to be all you do is centralize it into one part yeah. and then you know it expands and grows and again not to overuse the star wars um analogy but um you know in star wars they have you know they all the sith were dead there's only one sith left and or you know there's rule of two or whatever so they had technically two alive but um, all you do is you force that, um, you centralize the evil. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it can never be defeated. So in, in terms of, you know, people's like outlooks and, um, uh, what I would say to somebody who's black pilled, um, I would say that it's just, uh, it's, it's not like a complete, complete defeat and complete victory is impossible. It's all about your in internal experience, your perspective. And kind of realizing that um, we go through cycles. 
um, in, throughout history. We'll go through cycles of centralization and decentralization. Um, and, and yeah, you, some things have to be destroyed for better things to be built up at, over time. So, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, that pretty much covers it. Yeah. There's, um, you know, life itself, everything rises, everything decays. Uh, like you said, happiness can't exist without sadness. Otherwise you wouldn't have something, you know, to, to refer to. You can't be happy all of the time. Um, but, uh, the internal work definitely goes a long way to not letting, uh, the bad stuff actually like properly impact you. Like, yes, the bad stuff is inherently distressing, uh, in that sense, if it's, you know, fairly evil stuff, but your purpose and your impact on the life on life in general and other people is always going to be better if you're the person that doesn't freak out and you're the person that takes everything on board. And like you're saying with the, there's these cycles in, in life in general and the world in general, it's like probably the, the biggest centralization of knowledge that ever happened was uh, the library of Alexandria. And when that got burnt down, um, so these things happen and now we're, you know, I'm not sure the people back then would have, predicted the internet but now there is a for as much as the censorship that exists you can still pretty much research anything you want to right now at this the, the you know at your fingertips so that kind of decentralization of of knowledge is um, is inherently what threatens the power structures that centralize these things um the internal work that you were speaking about um and about you know, the meditation and everything that is so important because it kind of narrows down and gives you a, a framework of what you really are. And it helps you to stop identifying with the ego and those fear-based responses, which is ultimately what all these power structures control you by. If you're not scared of them, they can't control you. They can't tell you what to do because otherwise this big scary event will happen if you're not afraid of that and you would tr put trust in the universe and yourself and other people around you uh rather than you know big daddy government everything dissolves on their end like they can't control everyone and the only reason why these lockdowns work is because they say you know so many people would die without it um all of these things where people, well, I don't want to be the bad guy. I'll just, you know, I'll be the good guy and I don't want to, I don't want people to die and I'll, you know, no one wants people to die, but it's, it's the fear-based response that enables them to enact control everyone. If you do the internal work and you know who you are, what you stand for, and you don't, you know, you don't respond to those fear conditioning protocols where they tell you to hate yourself and hate your neighbor and all of these things, um, all of that just stops working. Uh, and I think that that's super important because then if you're that node in the network, ideally we want to spread this, uh, knowledge and spirituality and all of that to as many different nodes in the network as possible. And eventually, you know, you can speak about that, the, the raising of the vibration of society in general, it's like, when enough people are out of the fear-based conditioning, out of shame, 
out of anger. They don't get upset over things that they, you know, don't necessarily have control over or that don't really need to be upset about. If enough people do that and lead by example and all of that kind of thing, then eventually, for the most part, obviously, like you said, you can't get rid of evil entirely. There's always going to be that uh, yin and yang. Um, that is what we should aim for. That is the kind of the, the best method uh, to getting out of the situation that we find ourselves in, in general. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. All right, dude. Uh, I think I might have to leave it there. Um, but thanks again. Hopefully, this will get out unless the New World Order has another <laughs> censorship ban <laughs> against us. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, and yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be on three speak, so it should hopefully uh, survive anything unless uh, unless the whole internet gets taken down. Yeah, which is a possibility, right? Power grids. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. Hmm. So three speak player. just three speak just quickly. Is, is that just a, a website that everyone can go to? Yep. Yep. Um, let me just. Let me just confirm what the actual, um, oh, it's three speak dot online. Yeah. Yeah. The number so, three. Yep. The number three, then the word speak, um, dot online. And it looks like, it looks like they've also got dot co now CEO. Cool. Uh, but yeah, either one works. All right. Well, where can people find you drew? What things are you working on? So, um, so yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Drew Tang at home is my main, uh, the main place I post content. Um, any, any other content I'll be posting on that same blockchain social media network. If it's articles, um, it'll be on, uh, peaked, uh, P E, uh, A K D. They, these all run on the hive network. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, and I've got, you know, I'll probably, um, uh, if you look for me on three speak dot online, I'm under, uh, B chain bastards. Um, that's my username on the website. Um, I've got my book in my bio, uh, link to my book in my bio. Um, it's, uh, it's like a, that's a starter guide. The first of three parts are, are out now. Uh, the first part's a starter guide on kind of getting woke, and it's called woke. Um, so that that's out now, uh, 211 pages. So if you're just getting, you want uh, some background information on everything that's going on, you should definitely check that out. And yeah, I guess in the future here, I am going to be coming out with another book, just very specifically on um, exactly what's what happened over the last year or so. It's uh, the title right now is going to be, I think it's going to be Revelation Apocalypse 2020. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the theme there is, you know, it's, uh, you know, people are like, oh shit, apocalypse. Um, but really apocalypse is just the Greek word for revelation and revelation just means a great revealing of what's been hidden. So, mm. when, so when people talk about, you know, end of the world stuff like mines, 2012, whatever, even they were just talking about a new a start of a new cycle. So, um, so I think that's important for people to remember is that there's really never even been an apocalypse. It's always just been a matter of when will uh, information be decentralized enough that the, um, the truth that has been hidden for so long 
um, you know, since at least the fall of the Library of Alexandria finally sees the light of day again. And we can, you know, if everybody had the information that even if they were just to read the threads that I have posted, the entire world, um, you know, we could, we could solve every problem immediately just by, you know, yep. discontinuing these people, you know, just stopping <laughs> these people from, you know, say, say ban the, ban the Bill Gates and Rockefeller foundations. And that would be a great start And Soros foundation, the open society foundation, just ban those billionaire foundations and, um, and we would be in a lot better shape and, you know, everybody stopped using us dollars would also help out a lot, but, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to turn that into a documentary and I will probably have, I'm still trying to decide exactly what I want to do, but I do need to raise, um, I do need to raise funds to make this documentary. So I'll probably have a Kickstarter of some kind. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And yeah, I want the book to be free. Um, and so ideally it's probably going to be, you know, I'll, I'll probably, when I release the book, it'll probably be like a, you know, if you want it for free, you can have it, but I'll be accepting, you know, donations. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, that's exciting. That's my goal for this year. And I think it'll really be my, um, uh, crowning achievement. And uh, I think hopefully, you know, obviously my goal is to prevent this, uh, this new world order from coming into existence. Hell yeah. I think that's a great note to end on. Um, thanks so much, Drew. We learned a lot here. Uh, I hope the audience did as well. And uh, you never know the chain reaction this conversation could set off. So thanks for joining me on the Soulcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, man. Glad we could uh, get her done. You. Catch you, buddy. All right. Bye-bye.